You're listening to The Outward Hire, a podcast for all things hiring. My name is Javier Baza, a software engineer at Touch of Modern by day and by night, founder of Marty, a virtual assistance platform. I sit down with job seekers and hiring managers to talk about their hiring process, main takeaways from their experience, and what advice they can give to listeners like you. If you're job hunting, it's not just a one-way process, it's a two-way process. So even you need to like a company. I feel like a lot of the times, as international students, we're so fixated on the idea of, oh, you know, I need to get this company, I need to get this job. But if you actually focus some time on figuring out, you know, why should I like them, you'll try to figure out maybe some bugs in their I don't know, some bugs in their product and you tell them that during the interview because you're making it a two-way process. So when you reach out to a company with that mentality that, you know, they need to try hard too to get you, I guess that really helps build a good rapport. Today on the show, we have Ramona Aurora, a recent hire that joined Touch of Modern. Ramona is a business intelligence analyst and is also the chapter lead at Products by Women San Francisco a community network for women in innovation and tech. Well, hey, Ramona, thanks for here, being here today and giving us some of your time to share your story with us, especially during this pandemic that we have right now where jobs are really difficult to come by. And I saw that you were a new hire to Steven's team at Touch of Modern, and I also saw a lot of your posts on LinkedIn after I connected with you um, about like mainly about the organization that you're a part of um, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me here. And to everyone who is listening, I hope you're all doing well and wearing masks and staying safe. Um, so I'm currently working at uh, Touch of Modern as a business intelligence analyst. Um, so mostly, like in simple words, if I have to say it, I analyze data, I communicate with stakeholders, basically try to understand what is it that they're looking for and what's the most insightful way of giving them data and some of the solutions. Um, I really enjoy analyzing data. I think this comes from the fact that I really like investigating into into stuff. Uh, Apart from this, I'm also working as the San Francisco chapter lead at Products by Women. Uh, it's Products by Women is a community that supports other women. It's just a diverse community of women for women, by women. Uh, we offer mentorship, uh, also host webinars and, you know, local meetup e- events so that females can stay connected, you know, connect bonds and friendships. Uh, we've been expanding quite a bit. And I'm very, very lucky to be a part of this uh, particular team because it definitely makes my heart expand towards work for other females at the same time as connect with them. So I think that's my little spiel about it. But apart from that, uh, I'm a lot uh, devoted to social impact. Uh, I spend most of my time kind of also figuring out how can I do better or make, you know, people around me more aware in some ways. Um, I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Right. So the reason why I brought you on to this particular topic was because I was curious to know, um, like, let's say we rewinded back to the time when you just graduated from college and you did take, I believe, your master's here in the U.S., right? Yes, I did. I am actually from India. 
uh, and I moved to the US two years ago to finish my master's of science and business analytics from Arizona State University. Got it. And were you job searching as an OPT student right after you graduated uh, with your MS? Yes. Um, this was, I think, I graduated in May 2019. So not even more than a year ago. I mean, sorry, more than a year ago, but not like two years yet. But yeah. How was your job searching experience like as an OPT student? And I wanted to know what kind of strategies that you use uh, like right after you got out of the college, did you start job searching um, before then while you were still in school, right after school? Uh, what was the process like for you? Um, so I think uh, one of the drawbacks, I would say, with the business analytics course was that it was just a nine month course. And most of the courses for business analytics are up to a year or one and a half year max. They don't really particularly extend more than that. So imagine moving to a new country and then just suddenly realizing that the pattern is so different in the country when it comes to job search. Like, you know, it's, it's so much focused on getting referrals and doing networking if you want to stand out, especially from someone who didn't have much experience when I moved to the U.S., I just worked for a year as a database associate. So I didn't really have much of an analytical background, but I think having some computer science background helped me. Uh, so I think I started job hunting in May when I graduated. I didn't start before that because it's a nine-month course and you want to make sure that you're spending time focusing on the course that's going to end up getting you a job, especially with such a short course. Uh, most of the companies were like, oh, you know, you're just five months into the program. Like, you need to first finish the course before, you know, an interview even happens because it's such a small course. So I think for me, what I really, what really, really, really benefited me was that capstone project that I did in the last semester. So I worked uh, for a company called Teleworthy and then helped them build a churn propensity model. So I think this really helped me practice machine learning at the same time as my analytical and collaboration and communication skills, which are all very important in any field of analytics because analytics can be divided into many parts. So I think I really focused on that project. Every time I had an interview or even when I was like job hunting, I really highlighted that project more than my one year of experience as well. Uh, because I don't know if you know, but as an international student, most of the companies disregard your um, in international experience. They really want to focus on the experience you have in the US. So how can you get that experience? So make sure that, you know, even if you're doing any side project, even if it's for two, three months, that's actually going to count more than your one-year experience. And I elaborated so much on my uh, project. Uh, what I did a lot was I know my resume doesn't highlight much because, yeah, I have one really good project in data analytics, but what else can I do to kind of highlight it more? So I knew that networking is going to be my only way of getting those interviews in because I was like, see, once I get that interview in, it's all based on my qualifications, but getting an interview is also so difficult as an international student. So whenever I filled an application, I made sure that if I like a company, I would go start adding so many people from that company over on LinkedIn. Like when you go to LinkedIn, there's a particular tab for going to a company. And then you can also go to the people tab to kind of see who's working there. So I would go just type manager of analytics or VP of analytics. 
and kind of just try to find out who can be my potential teammates if there's a role there. And then just start sending them messages. And I think cold uh, messages really kind of like help, like reaching out to people. You shouldn't just like message people and be like, hey, you know, can you get me a referral? I never did that. I just reached out to them and I was like, hey, you know, like I saw this on your profile. Hey, I'm also like a ASU alumni, you know, I would love to connect with you and know about your experience graduating from the same colleges me and you know how did you kind of end in this role that you're in and they know that you're interested in knowing them more than probably not more but you're somehow interested in knowing them I guess cold outreach doesn't work when all you're interested in is just getting that job but actually don't want to know the person um, I always think that it's really great to network and kind of made that my asset uh, even the first role that I got was at Metromind actually reached out to the VP of analytics and a lot of people tell me that how did you end up reaching out to the VP isn't it intimidating to reach out to someone who's in such a higher position and I feel like no like if you say the right things it should probably be fine um so I think for me networking highlighting projects uh, was like my main top uh, way to find that job yeah like as an inter- like as an international student myself, I also felt the same way in terms of like finding my first job as an OPT student in the U.S. I didn't have any like prior um, background in terms of that I had like doing an internship here in the U.S. So most of my projects were mainly like Philippine based as well because I'm I'm a student from the Philippines. So mm-hmm. like I I also kind of felt that. You know, when I sent out my resumes, people really discounted like the fact that like, oh, sure, I might have done like Ruby on Rails development in a company that was based abroad. But then, I don't know, for some reason, I wasn't getting past the phone screenings. And like sooner or later, I did realize that, yeah, it is a really different job market out here in the U.S., mainly because... It's all about like networking, making sure you build rapport with like the recruiter that you're work- working with, making sure that you get a referral that you're um, going to, that uh, making sure that you get a refer referral that could potentially like refer you to like the HR department and kick off like the entire interview process. So, yeah, I I I definitely agree with you on like all aspects. Um, when you got that job at metro mile um how was the uh, what, what was the interview process like for that um so it's crazy my interview at metro mile was definitely very crazy and it's something i'm very grateful for because um so i graduated in may and i got my offer from metro mile september end so i feel like a lot of people always get so like oh my god how did you stay sane for four months after graduating Like, you know, how do you still keep going? And I think one of my key takeaways was I took a vacation in between. But uh, apart from this, like when I was reaching out to the VP of analytics, um, I think I reached out to him sometime in August end. And he said there might be another position coming up because the one, the position that I was interested in was already filled out. So I made sure to reach back out like 
it really makes the difference if you make like a connection which stays for a long term because i again reached out to him and i was like you know i'm still very interested when is that another position going to come out and he was like oh yeah it might be you know out in like two weeks and i again reached out to him in two weeks and i guess there's a side difference between being uh, annoying and not being annoying like if they say that you need to follow up and it would be nice if you follow up you should definitely do that and i when i finally reached out to him he was like okay yeah the position is finally out just go ahead and apply so i went ahead and applied and he told me that if the recruiter thinks you're a good fit they'll definitely reach out to you so i think this is september end and it's so funny i got two job offers in a week and then the first call that i get from metromile was on a monday and uh, they were like oh you know not not the first call i think it was the first email that please schedule your uh, first round and on friday i had a deadline for the other two offers so i was like i can only find a date for friday and that's going to be my first round obviously this is not happening and it's so funny because i reached out to the recruiter immediately and it was monday and i was like i have two offers already um you know i have a deadline can we make this happen uh and she was like yeah yeah wait and she called me that moment so i had two of my rounds on monday which weren't even scheduled so i had my first round with the recruiter and she's one of the best and like i'm going to give a shout out shout out to her her name is triptoganti uh she was very patient with me and she was just like no 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 you know you just need to be prepared everyone's really nice like don't worry just be yourself and she's like we're going to have a call with you again in an hour with the hiring man- h- hiring manager who's actually my manager so i had a round with him and then they were like oh you've cleared it next day i had a round for my technical skill set so always uh, as an analyst i do have to go to a sequel round which is obviously a must so for that i usually prepared with lead, lead code i think lead code really helped me kind of prepare for uh, prepare for the sequel questions so i think i had a round it was like a um whiteboard virtual whiteboard round so just kind of walking through your code and you know what are the logics that you're using so i cleared that round and on tuesday by the evening they were like okay you've cleared this round now we want to take you to on site so they couldn't fly me to san francisco because it was just one day that i had left so they were like we'll invite you to the tempe office so they had a tempe office and this is where i was back in arizona and they invited me to the tempe office on thursday so i had gone to los angeles in between that for another on site and i came back directly to this company's uh, office and gave my on site and it was really funny because two of the rounds were in person uh, which were with the data engineers but uh my round with the vp and my hiring manager and product manager because it was a product analyst role so i did have a round with the product manager to kind of walk through a case study apart from another round in sequel and then another kind of case study round and one hiring manager round and with the vp of analytics i had more of like a behavioral round uh we were all done by this by i think Thursday afternoon and Thursday evening I got the offer. So it all happened in 4 days. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. I don't know how they managed that but the recruitment team was really good at coordinating it. So it was definitely fun to be part of that. <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. I mean, um the fact that you played on your two other job offers to accelerate the process of 
your off or your your um your interview process at Metro Mile was yeah. that was really really cool. Um, did you mention to like any of your recruiters that you had like OPT status, or did you mention to that to them near the end of the interview? What what what, what did you decide to do? So. I know a lot of people ask me this question now. Uh, the thing is, like most of the companies, if they have, if they already have international students, either they won't ask you that question because maybe they kind of know it. But most of the rounds that I've had with companies, they usually ask you, like the recruiter will ask you in the first round, like, okay, can you kind of tell me your situation with the visa right now? I think with Metro Mile, it happened towards the end because we never really got a time to talk about it. Uh, but uh, when it happened, they did say that, you know, if you perform well, yeah, we'll be willing to sponsor you. And so it wasn't an issue. They did sponsor people before it. It was just that it happened towards the end. And I think when it's your first year of OPT, um, I had the thing that I wasn't too worried about sponsorship. I was like, you know, if this doesn't work out, if they really not you know going to sponsor me i still have two more years to figure out sponsorship so i think for the first time it's still kind of okay to hold off if you want to which i did but um towards the end i did ask because i had other two offers who were also willing to sponsor me so obviously it was like do i choose sponsorship over the role or role over the sponsorship and I think in this case, I got both. But usually I think it's better to, if the company doesn't ask you directly, I usually ask it by my second or third interview. Just so that, um, even asking just the fact that do they hire international students? Because some of the times it's not even about sponsorship. They just don't hire international students because they don't want to go through the paperwork of you know your STEM OPT extension and all of that. So I guess it's been okay for now. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I was going to ask about the two-year extension. So that's the STEM OPT extension, which is only available for people who are within, who study within certain majors, correct? Yes, it's only available for STEM majors. So if you did like, like I did Masters of Science, so I get three years to kind of stay in the U.S., and work without a sponsorship. So first year, you can do even volunteering work and part-time work, which is less than 20 hours. Whereas in the STEM OPT time, which is the one plus two, you have to do something which is more than 20 hours and where you actually get paid. So I think first year kind of doing volunteering gigs is fine. But then in the next two years, you really need to start thinking about will your name actually turn up in the lottery in the last chance or would you want it, you know, it to be there twice at least. So, yeah, I think that's one of the things. Yeah, I think some of my friends, they do volunteering work um, for OPT just to fill up the time, like the, like the 60 to 90 days of like unemployment time so that they buy themselves time in order to find a job to fill that OPT. And then once they find a job that fills in the OPT, then they could apply for like sponsorship. If they don't get the sponsorship, then at least they have the same OPT to fall back on to yeah. apply again in the future, right? So uh, that's pretty cool. And I guess... I guess most of these interviews that you went through were mainly on-site, correct? So could you 
go a little bit into I, I saw your um I saw your your post about um the own trail that you that you posted. Yeah, yeah. I went through the the your own trail and um could you go a little bit into what when the pandemic hit, uh, what was your job situation at the time and then how did you transition from uh, Metro Mile over to Touch of Modern? Yeah, absolutely. I was very content when the pandemic started, like because I had a job and I just thought, oh, you know, I work in the insurance space. I'm obviously going to be fine. So I wasn't as worried. But then um, because Metro Mile is basically, they pay, the insurance works based on the miles you drive. So people weren't driving outside and we weren't doing well. And which led to my layoff, uh, and I think during this time, um, it obviously is always very difficult when you go through a layoff. I don't think it changes, but it's uh, I think especially um, more difficult when you know that it's a pandemic and everyone's losing the job at the same time. So you can kind of find comfort in that situation that a lot of people are in the same boat, but you're technically not in the same boat because you have 60 days to find a job, whereas other people might have more days and they can probably, you know, live off the stimulus checks for a while. So I, when I lost, when I heard the news about the layoff, I think the same day itself, you know, one of the things that you, I did, which was get all the recommendations from my current colleagues so that for the next company, I can kind of like talk about those because at the at that time, I just had finished like seven months in the new company and it was a product analyst role and I really liked the role and I was like, I'm not sure if I'll find this role again, you know, find a more data related role again. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get all the recommendations. So that's what I did. But apart from that, I started applying from next day onwards. Like, you know, one thing that I had set in mind, which is you have, like, you don't really have an option as an international student. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, how did you do it? I'm like, when you know before sleeping that you don't have an option and you live in a San Francisco house, which costs a lot, you, you have to push yourself. So I think that's when I started uh, connecting with a lot of people on LinkedIn. And like, you know, you saw my post. I started writing after. The, the pandemic started on LinkedIn and you'd be surprised the amount of people who actually started posting around that time because there were people who really wanted to help out so I think I really used that time in a way to like reach out to a lot of people on LinkedIn and I was very candid about it that you know I, I have been laid off and I'm really looking forward to like seeing what the next step is because I have to go to the next step so might as well talk about it. And I think a lot of people are willing to, you know, get on a call or do a coffee chat or refer me. So I definitely did get a lot of referrals because of LinkedIn networking. How many, well, what kinds of outreach messages did you do when you reached out to these people on LinkedIn? Did you just like comment on a post? Did you like use in-mail? Did you cold email people? Uh, what, what, could you share some <laughs> of your strategies that you used personally to actually get your foot in the door into some interviews and eventually yeah. to our to your current role at the Jamon. No, it was definitely very different than the last time because the thing was last time when I applied, it wasn't the employee, it wasn't the employer market, it was the employee market. There were so many jobs and you know, you barely get to finish one day's uh, job posts that come on LinkedIn. And now this time when I got laid off, the same job will repeat 
for seven days on LinkedIn. So you really have very, very few jobs to apply to. So one of the things that I made sure that there are barely like maybe like 40 to 50 jobs, which even makes sense to my profile. And it's lasting for seven days. So I made sure to actually reach out to everyone from those companies. Even if the role was out of my league, which is like a four to five years experience role, I'm like, even if I get a referral, I can at least get the practice to clear my first round. Like, you know, my my mindset was it doesn't matter if you get the job. It's like someone's going to help you do the mock practices and they can be actual companies who can help you with that. So my strategy was reach out to, you know, my uh, colleagues from Metro Mile and just be like, oh, you know, I saw you were connected to this person. Can you make an introduction? So I did reach out like this a lot of the times. If I see anyone in my connection being a connection with someone else, I kind of try to reach out to them and be like, you know, my message uh, basically has always been, hey, you know, this is Ramona. I was recently laid off, but I'm really looking forward to what lies ahead. And I'm really interested in this in this company and this in this role. But in order to like, you know, go ahead and represent myself in the best way, I do want to understand the work culture and how the company is doing in the pandemic situation. So if you're free, I would love to, you know, hop on a call with you. So I definitely like the way I did it was I had two drafts prepared. One was like a connection request draft, which you only get, I think, 100 to 200 characters. Uh, There's a limit to it. And I had a draft prepared for when people accept my request. So I would I would never really change my connection request draft because, you know, there's not much that you can kind of highlight yourself in the 200 words. But uh, for the long message that I had prepared, I would somehow, you know, if I know I like a company a lot, I would change it and twist those things to the specific person. So those messages really got a lot of reply whenever I, like I'm sending a connection message, but as soon as they accept it and if they don't reply, I often, I think all of the time did also send a long message with it. And none of these messages highlighted what my background is, what kind of like skill set I have. I kept it very simple, just like a more like a humanly or friendly way of talking to someone, which is just like, you know, I'm this, I'm in this current situation. And this is the purpose of the message of just understanding how well the business is doing. But also I want to know, you know, get in touch with you. I think most of the times people forget the purpose of the message and they just send a message. So I think I'm, I got this tip from someone that remember what the purpose of your messages and like try to highlight that. So this was my top strategy, <laughs> LinkedIn messages. Um, I think LinkedIn uh, employees were also giving out premium memberships at that point when the layoffs were happening. So I messaged someone you know, commented on some posts and I also got the free membership. So that also helped because I could email, I think, 10 people in a month directly, especially those people who had uh, the locked messages. Uh, So these were mostly the things that did. I like how you shared about how you used um, companies that had required like four to five years of experience as like your mock practice in your like in your phone screening slash like maybe coding challenge type of interviews. I guess for me when I applied to Touch of Modern, I think like I only had zero to like one years of Ruby on Rails experience on paper, right? But then I applied to all these different positions that were like you need 
uh, three to four years experience in Ruby on Rails, and I just went for it anyway. But I guess the interesting thing at Touch of Modern was that they only had one position for the software engineer role, which was like a mid-level role almost. So I applied for that. And I remember our recruiter at the time, Randa, she denied my request. She was like, oh, we're not looking for anyone. And I messaged her again. And then apparently I got through through to the like to the hiring pipeline. And I didn't even meet like 50% of the job requirements. But I knew that it was a stack that I wanted to work with. I knew it was something that like the team has been working on like the the stack was something i was mainly comfortable with so i was pretty confident in going through this entire interview process even though on paper it seemed like okay do my do my skills match up really not really but yeah i think that um just applying to jobs that are not that don't match your requirements on paper 100% just go for it because you never know they might they might give you a call back anyway um yeah most of the times the the way they actually even build up the job requirement is just because they see how other companies are doing it so it's the reason for those experiences is like nothing that logical maybe it's like oh yeah they completely rely on the hiring manager and they know exactly what they want but sometimes they're really open to um i've seen some postings where they you know even say that even if you don't meet 100% of the requirements please apply because i think passion goes forward a lot like with me at touch of modern like uh the role as you know it's the only analytics team and the bi team and the, like data science it's all combined into one team and i knew that you know i have the analytical skills but i've never worked on the data engineering side and they were very open to the fact that you know you'll probably learn if you're really passionate about it and i think passion really matters like you don't need to know everything but you need to be passionate about learning like i got a role at metromile for product analyst which required 2 to 3 years of experience and i barely even had one year right so it was definitely that like sometimes when you don't know a lot you actually perform well so like you know when i didn't know much about product analytics i think i did better at the case studies <laughs> than when i do now because you're more open to being creative and you know being more passionate about the companies so i think passion really matters and how much you're really interested in getting into the company like obviously don't be too desperate there's a thin line but if there are ways to show your passion and they can all be through linkedin also like um i remember when i reached out to certain people this time over linkedin they did post like you know uh, if you if you see any job posting please reach out to me you know which a lot of people wrote during the layoff time and i did reach out to someone and they were like oh please go ahead and apply uh, directly on the website and i was like okay but i was like i'm not going to back down like i changed my strategy this time i was like i'm still going to figure out a nice way of how to you know follow up to that message when you know a lot of people ask me how do you what do you say when they're like oh please go ahead and apply online and like sometimes i just reply back saying that oh you know i just saw this new linkedin post that you put up and i think this is really amazing like i know that getting a job isn't easy and i know a lot of people might be interested in the organization so is there any way my application can stand out and there have been replies sometimes there have been people who have replied back and they're like oh we referred you right away because they saw that i'm still persistent and interested 
I know a lot of people don't probably reply to this again, but like you're not gonna there's like no way you're losing this, right? Like you just have to do it. You just have to show passion and keep persisting and you know just like figure out new ways to reach out to people, see what organizations they volunteer at and you know several other things. Um there's someone that I reached out to last year during my job search who was still very interested in helping me out this year. Like even though we didn't talk for a whole year, I did create a network and a bond with them last year and it did stay. So I think even reaching out to people that you once talked to uh, really helps. I see. Um, we're about to reach time here. I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about the virtual hiring process at Touch of Modern versus like some of the on-sites that you did at like Metro Mile and some other companies. How how different are they? Do we need to take like different strategies in a virtual hiring process compared to an on-site where um where you actually see the person like in person? Um what are your thoughts on that? Um I think being very transparent with your processes is really important because when you do a virtual whiteboard SQL round, like I said, you know, like the other person can see you, you're kind of typing the code or most of the times they can't even see you. You're just both doing the code at the same time. The issue is that it can be easy to forget that you need to explain them your line of code. Whereas when you're in, you know, in a room with them, you know, sitting right next to them, I think it comes more naturally that you're trying to tell them that these are your steps. So, you know, it's, it's, I find that not as intimidating. I feel like when I'm sitting next to someone and writing a code, I, I can do my own thing and then show it to them once I'm done. Whereas when someone can directly see everything I'm writing on the screen at the same time, it can sometimes be a little intimidating because you get a little nervous. So I think being very well prepared with lead code really helped me because the way it works is kind of like that. And maybe just having random mock interviews with your friends when they're also on the other side of the screen and just practicing coding sessions because it's very different when you do it virtually when someone's looking at your screen. I think that was sort of intimidating. But apart from that, uh, I think during my virtual rounds, I had more uh, take-home exams. Uh, so instead of, you know, companies sending you out one hour SQL tests, I had more like tests in which they will send you out take home exams and you kind of spend a week or some time working on them and send it back. Um, and also, I think uh, one of the things that is that on onsite, you have to be very presentable and like, you know, always so like sitting with boys and like even when you're taking a break, you have to take it nicely. You have to be like very respectful to everyone that you're meeting across the office, even if it's someone downstairs who probably doesn't even work at the company and the company is at the second floor. I don't know. Like you have to be respectful around the whole team. And I think like one thing which I really liked in virtual was like, I can just like go to my room, switch on my laptop and like, you know, start talking. I don't have to worry about this other unnecessary things about, you know, being, um, you know, you're always on time technically because you just open your laptop and you're there. So it's obviously like different, but and it's difficult to take yourself seriously when it's more virtual, but I think people do take it very seriously. You need to know that you're looking at the camera directly. You know, you're not you're not out of focus. Um, 
so i think mock interviews are very very important so maybe joining communities that can help you to you know or meeting peers that can help you prepare mock interviews i think that really helps yeah i definitely think that during a virtual interview you mainly lose this idea of like conveying body language or being or needing to be aware of like what your body language is like because that could that 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 is one form of like nonverbal communication that could really send some signals to like your interviewer that like oh maybe this might be a good candidate maybe this might be a bad candidate mm -hmm. but i guess in virtual then it's mainly i guess yeah it's mainly just looking at the camera making sure you're in focus making sure like and there are no distractions around you um but yeah i and i also think that like mainly in virtual it's more like uh like some some communication styles in in the office like sometimes revolve around like people like cutting you off or people um like not letting you finish your entire thing before they actually uh inject like a question into your entire like well, like, let's say you're whiteboarding something. I guess that happens a lot more on on-sites compared to in virtual settings where, like, people wait for other people to finish before actually saying something or giving feedback to uh, the question that you're trying to answer. So mm -hmm. I guess to wrap it all up, uh, what was your main takeaway from this entire experience of going through your job search, like, right after college and even now? Um, I guess one of the main, main takeaways is that if you're an international student and you get a job, they want you, that's why they gave you a job. And like, and if you're job hunting, it's not just a one-way process, it's a two-way process. So even you need to like a company. I feel like a lot of the times, as international students, we're so fixated on the idea of, oh, you know, I need to get this company, I need to get this job. But if you actually focus some time on figuring out, you know, why should I like them, you'll try to figure out maybe some bugs in their, I don't know, some bugs in their product, and you tell them that during the interview, because you're making it a two way process. So when you reach out to a company with that mentality that, you know, they need to try hard to to get you, I guess, that really helps build a good rapport. And apart from that, I think the main takeaway is just like, be confident. Like none of the strategies can work sometime. Like you're going to talk to 10 people. They're all going to give you different strategies, but you need to figure out which one you want to spend your time. Like, do you just want a job because you want a job right away and be safe? Or do you want a job because you don't want to change a job for a long time? So you want a good job. Like, I feel like everyone has a different strategy. So they apply to 100 jobs versus some people apply to 10 jobs that they really like. So figure out what you want. And if you haven't been able to figure out, just be confident. I feel like job isn't everything. Like, do side projects. That's the best part about being on OPT is you can always kind of volunteer for different projects and just join maybe like a couple of people in their idea and work on building something because everything that you build is going to get you experience in your resume. So that's that's it. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Ramona, for coming on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me over LinkedIn. 
um i'm always uh, replying to people and it like if i ever miss out a message which i don't think it ever happens so they can definitely reach out to me if uh, they're interested in learning english all right i hope that you guys enjoyed today's podcast with ramona arora from touch of modern Thank you so much Ramona for being such a great guest and for sharing your job hunt experience as an OPT student. I think my biggest takeaway from our conversation was how Ramona wasn't afraid to creatively reach out to employees of companies she was interested in and that really set her apart from other job seekers. For me, what was most interesting was how she accelerated her job search by leveraging the fact that she had two other offers on the table. I just loved how Ramona was able to talk about that in depth while giving amazing advice. Also, for us to bridge our listeners to the guests that we have on our show, you can join our online community on circle.so called Martian Community. The URL is martian-community.circle.so. Get the chance to widen your personal network, connect with our members, and interact with others who share the same passions and interests as you. Again, that's martian-community.circle.so. Thank you guys so much for listening and have an awesome day.